Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. We are in this very fast paced study of the book of Romans. It deserves an entire year, maybe two, maybe like John Piper, eight years is studying the same book, but we're going to study only in a month and a half, okay? And the goal here is that you get um, teased, okay, that we, with this appetizer that we are offering you through the book of Romans, you get really hungry enough to go and eat the entire meal. Are you guys with me? My goal is that you, as we are meditating in these little portions of scripture, you find out, man, I didn't know about these amazing truths. Where is this? And you're going to go to the book of Romans and read it, meditate it, uh, make a study in your life group. That's the goal here in this fast-paced study of Romans. Last week, we covered Romans chapter 5. And we learn in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, when you just open, you're not going to be projected, so it's better to have your smartphone being smart right now, um, that chapter 5 is all about the fruits, the consequence of our justification by faith. The text actually starts like this. Therefore, we have been justified by faith, and now we have. Because I am counted just, righteous, now I have. And there is a list of blessings, amazing blessings we learned last week. The main one is peace with God. Now, I don't know if you guys understand that, but peace is the, is the tune of the Spirit. It's where the blessings and the favor of God comes upon us. You know, big corporations, big companies, they all learned this already. That the best way to encourage their uh, staff and employees is promoting an environment of peace. So one of our young guys here, Trenton, told me that in his workplace, they have basketball courts. They have gym inside. They have a nutritionist preparing their foods. Why? Because they want to give a portion of peace to their staff because people that are at peace, at ease, they are more creative. They are more productive. Are you guys with me? Now, wait a minute. We don't need the best workplace to work. We have the peace of God. We are in peace with God. We have the very promise that Jesus gave his peace to us because we are justified by faith. I need this to establish these foundations before we step in Romans chapter 6 today, which brings the title of my message is newness of life. I want you to learn how to walk, how to live in the newness of life. Now, for us to get into this place, I need you to have I need you to mind completely in this room, not your body, and I need your heart open to receive the word of God. Are you guys ready with me? Amen. So bow your heads, let's close our eyes and receive revelation. Father, that's our prayer this morning. We want to receive the inerrant, powerful, the, the two-edged sword that cuts and divides our thoughts. And what is your thoughts? What is your truths? God, let us exchange. Let us repent. Let us have a change of mind when we see ourselves through the lenses of your word. We pray in Jesus' name and everybody said? Amen. Amen. So let me keep still establishing the Romans chapter 5 foundations that are going to lead us in Romans 6. Okay? Romans chapter 5. Verse 9 says, Since therefore 
we have been now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Now, there are two principles about the cross that we find here in Romans. One is the work of the cross. The work of the cross has to do with our sins and the forgiveness of our trespasses. My sins were clean, forgotten. That's what it means to be justified. There is no invoice open. There is no debt open. There is no charge against me. My slate is clean and I can come with boldness before the presence of God because He's not ready to condemn, punish me. He's ready to bless me because I am counted righteous by the blood. There is provision for me in the blood of Jesus. Say a good amen in the house, everybody. So the work of the cross speaks on substitution. Jesus took my place and received all the just and righteous wrath of God against my sin. Instead of me being punished and dead and killed and destroyed, now Christ Jesus on the cross received all the righteous wrath of God against my sins. The problem is that I am a tree of sin. My nature craves for sin. When I see myself, look at me, I'm following, getting the same pitfalls. And I uh, got myself in that vicious cycle of uh, debauchery, immorality, anger, violence, and curse, and, and lies. I don't, want to, I don't want to do that, but I see myself again falling into the mud. And again, I come to the work of the cross. And I remember that the blood of Jesus is still available to clean me, to wash me clean, to purify me. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm so glad. I'm so clean. I'm so free from the, the conscience of condemnation. But when I cleaned the entire tree, I cut all the fruits, I took all the leaves out. When in due season come, here it is again. My nature springs out once again the fruit of bitterness, the fruit of anger, the violence again, the curse out of my mouth. And suddenly I'm mistreating my spouse. My kids are hating me because I'm falling again in this, in this sin. And I want to do that. So I repent and I come to the blood of Jesus. And here I see many Christians in this continual cycle of sinning and being forgiven. In, in falling and failing and again repenting and receiving forgiveness. But it is an endless cycle. There might be something else. I don't want to be a slave of sin. I don't want to be uh, attached and, and under the bondage of this endless cycle of sinning and being clean and being conscious about my sin. But, uh, and then coming and receiving forgiveness. There might have a power that will deliver me from the power of sin. And that's what the Bible calls the power of the cross. God not only provided us. The work of the cross, but also the power that will defeat the power of sin. When I received Jesus, I was also included in him. Now, this is very powerful. And by God's grace, I hope that you have revelation unto that. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 14. The Bible says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this. 
that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Say with me, therefore, therefore. All, have died. all have died. What in the word? All have died. Yes, we were included in the sacrifice. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So what I'm trying to refer is this place where we're going to resonate for a little while in Romans chapter 6, verse 6. That says, we know that our old self was crucified with Christ, with him. In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we will no longer be enslaved to sin. That's it. That's what I want. I don't want to be enslaved of the vicious cycle of sin, immorality, anger, violence. I don't want anymore to get myself in this. Verse 7, for one who has died has been set free from, from sin. Hallelujah. That's what I want, Pastor. To be free from sin. Free from these habitual sinful attitudes and behaviors. I don't want that. Verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe. Say with me. We believe. believe. Come on, poke this brother and say, we believe. believe. So tell him, it's better you believe. Tell him, tell her, it's better you believe. Because, again, the righteous shall live by faith. Remember in Romans chapter 1, we, we established this foundation to says that is everything from faith for faith. So I need to enter in this reality by faith. Sin is not meant to be part of our lifestyle. We are meant to stand in an overcoming life. Now, now, I know you say, Pastor, but come on, careful, Pastor. I, I, I'm afraid that you're going to say it, and I will say it. You don't need to be under the slavery, the slavery of sin. You don't need even to fall into sin. And I will even dare to say, you can overcome your sin. Actually, I'm going to say more. You don't need even ever again to fall into sin. Come on, Pastor. No, no, you're so radical. This is so extremist. Don't, don't say such a thing. It's not me. It's what the Bible says. Romans 5, 17. For if because of one man's trespasses, death reign through that one man, Adam, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace. Everybody that had received abundance of grace. Everybody in this church that has received abundance of grace. Abundance of grace in the free gift of righteousness reign in life say i reign say it say i reign in life this is not for a heavenly estate this is not only when we get there in heaven this is in life i can have a royalty state a royalty status i am meant to live in an overcoming life through the one man jesus christ the inclusion principle it's so powerful because now we can enjoy everything that Christ is we can also be now I know you say pastor but what do you mean this is this is not I cannot feel that I cannot perceive that you're saying that I can be completely free from this addiction I can be completely free from this family heritage that I saw my father doing with my, my mom and that therefore I do the same thing 
Pastor, you mean that all these cycles of sin, endless cycle of sin and, and addiction can be broken and I can be totally free? First John chapter 4, 17. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as Jesus is, so also are we in this world. We are called to reign in life. Now, again, I know that stating this in some minds right now, you already start to embrace condemnation. Embrace this feeling of uh, failure and feeling of ineptitude that you're never going to fulfill that. And, and you're thinking that your problem is the sin in itself. You say, if I will only tame me, discipline me, restrict myself a little bit more. If I was a little bit more disciplined like my pastor. If I was a little bit more dedicated like my leader, I will change that behavior. And you are focusing, pay attention, you are focusing in that misbehavior, that addiction, that sin, that, that violence, that anger, that, that problem of lying, gossiping. You know, no, I'm going to control my mouth. I'm going to bite my tongue. And I'm going to try to restrain myself. And you're focusing, trying to change your behavior. But the problem from the beginning is not the sin in itself. Is the problem of faith. It's the problem that we don't believe in this truth enough to apply this truth and be overcomers upon that behavior that really hurts us. and hurts the people we love the most. They are being hurt and you know you're hurting them. And you don't want to hurt. You don't want to create any more resentment and division in your family. But there was you doing it again. Please. I don't want to condemn you. I don't want to create any accusation spirit in our church. And to be very clear with you guys, I understand you because I enjoy the same cravings, temptations, and struggles. But better than I understand you, there is one lamb of God that also understands you. There was John the Baptist, son of a priest. He saw his dad... Going to the temple year after year, sacrificing a lamb so the wrath of God could be appeased every year upon the people of Israel. And the lamb that the priests and the Levitical group would bring, there was this feeling of relief in conscience. Oh, thank God, God accepted the sacrifice this year. But remember, when John saw his dad going to the, the, the temple presenting the sacrifice. He was, he was always looking to his dad afraid. His knees were always shaking. He was just like always afraid because maybe that year God will not accept the sacrifice. But when his dad will leave the temple, there was a relief in the family, a relief in the entire nation. Because now the conscience of the people were clean because there was no condemnation. But there was a problem. John the Baptist, he realized there is a problem. Every year, the people are being forgiven. They have their trespasses appeased and covered by the blood of the lamb. This perfect lamb being sacrificed. However, this lamb is not strong enough. The blood of this lamb only covers the sin. But we need a better lamb. We need a better sacrifice. Until already now in uh, adult age. 
he sees this man that was very acquainted with him because he was part of the family, maybe his cousin. And he was coming to the same river. He was baptizing people. But he couldn't resist himself because when to, he looked to this man, he didn't see a simple, normal man. He saw, John 1, the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God. Not like the Lamb that my dad used to sacrifice in the, tab, in the, the temple just to appease the wrath of God. But this Lamb is different. When he comes, he takes away the sin of the world. He not only deals with the conscience, with the sins, in plural, with our trespasses to cover our sins, but he takes away the sin of the world. And this lamb, he knows what you go through every week. He knows your temptation. Jesus is not here to condemn you again. He's not here to point fingers on you and say, you see, I know you're so such a failure. I know you cannot resist. No, Jesus was tempted in everything. Hebrews 4, 15, for we do not have a high priest, a representative who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Yet without sin. Say without sin. As he is, we will live in this world without sin. Oh, Pastor, come on. What do you mean? Like, like here comes you again accusing me. Saying that I have to live a perfect life. No, I don't, I don't say that you have to. But I'm saying that you will to. You will live a victorious life. An overcoming life against the sins that... that, that Cling so closely to you. And I know you're not tempted with all kind of immorality. I know you're not tempted with all kind of sinful ideas. But there is this repetitive, this little plague, this little weed that grows over and over. And you don't want to see this growing in your heart anymore. But that's what God intended he wants you to be an overcomer. But again, I don't want to accuse you. I don't want to, when I preach this message, neither Paul, when he wrote it as Romans chapter 6, to create a conscience of failure, of, of uh, inability, inaptitude. No. By the way, I was preparing this message for you guys. Came across with this text in Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. And I love this text because, again, it shows how much Jesus sympathizes with, with us. How much he knows how weak we are to overcome by ourselves. You know, we could be shepherded by the best pastor that God could send. But the best and perfect shepherd is the one that one day was a lamb. One day was a sheep like us. And this is what the Bible promises. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. Say, just say a good amen in the house. Because so comforting for me to know that my shepherd is a lamb. So he knows my weaknesses. He knows my limitations as a human being. And he will guide them to the springs of living waters. That's all that I need. Refreshment for my soul. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So... Please reject every accusation, feeling of condemnation that maybe the devil is trying to remember you. Oh, don't you see? 
I know who you are. I know that you have been falling to the same pitfall over and over again. When the devil reminds you about your past, just state him your actual present state and future. Just stay firm in the truth. Now, again, we are in this process of getting ready to be overcomers against everything. And someone is going to wonder, okay, Pastor, uh, what should I do? Tell me what I'm supposed to do to fix myself. Give me some steps, Pastor. I need more practicality. I need to, practical steps, codes, regulations. Give me some, some law so I can follow and I can become better. Uh, no, you don't need more law. Actually, the law only um, brings emphasis on sin. What is the function of the law? The law came to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So never relate to the law to improve yourself. But the law is only a guide to the ocean of grace. That every time you get yourself under the condemnation of sin, you wash yourself in the living waters of grace. Oh, Pastor, what do you mean? You mean that now I'm excused to practice any sin since there is no law, since there is no regulation for me to follow? Which is a very old question, by the way. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live into so it is it is a rhetorical question you know the answer you have died to sin verse 3 3 do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into christ i love the english version because in portuguese it doesn't sound like that into he there was me in the baptism tank and in the water of death, I dove myself in that death. My old self was being killed at that moment. It was being drowned in that moment. There's more, verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that as just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk. In newness of life. Again, let, let me emphasize this. The problem is not the sin in itself. It's not the behavior that is annoying you and hurting people around you. And I know we tend to focus into taming, disciplining, or restricting that area. But this will not change you. What needs to change is your faith in this truth. The truth that in your baptism, you were buried, but also you were raised with Christ. 1996, September, I got baptized. And in my mail, I received a death certificate. Rafael Fernandez. Cause of death. He was drowned in the waters of baptism. His old self was dead, was killed. Drown in the waters of baptism. And the date, my signature. I received, I was so glad to see my death certificate. I was, uh, hallelujah. My old self, 
my, my sinful nature is dead. It is totally uh, drowned in the past. But while I was holding my death certificate, I noticed that in the other side of the paper, it was like this uh, elevated letters. You know, like I don't know how to say this in English. Texture, like a texture. Burial, braille. Uh, no, not braille. Just like this. Yeah, these engraving letters. You got my point. Englossed? Embossed. I learned a, a word. Embossed. So there was embossed letters on the other side. Right? Just the engraving letters. You got it. You got my point. Pay attention. So I was admir admiring my death certificate, but I was feeling that in the other side. So when I turned it, and I learned there was birth certificate. And the years was day of birth. The same date. The same day that I was baptized. And it was a new name. A name that was different than my old name. My old name, Rafael Fernandez, was related to liar, deceitful, immoral, idolater, and all kind of sinful behaviors that I hated. But on the other side, there was righteous, pure, son of God, beloved of God. And I said, what in the world is this? And there was the date. And it was, who are my parents? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Now pay attention, guys. That, that's the, so baptism is not a ritual. Baptism is not a pretending that this is truth. This is truth. This is what delivers me from the power of sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is what? In Christ. Everybody says in Christ. So homework from today on. You're going to read the book of Romans. For God's sake and for your own sake. We're studying the Romans. The book of Romans and you're not reading. Come on. So you're going to read the book of Romans. And every time you come across with this beautiful expression. In Christ. You're going to make a little circle around. And you're going to use these texts. As a prayer statement. As a confession to increase faith. So you can enter in these realities. In Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. So why drive my life looking to the rearview mirror when God has an amazing, blessed future ahead of me? I'm not going to be attached to the old self anymore because it has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All right, let's go practical now since I demolished the idea that it's not about the law and also it's not only to live a life. As, as a washed pig. By the way, guys, God did not save you to keep you in that old self state. God did not save you to bring washed pigs in heaven. He turned you into his flock, into his sheep. You are led by the good shepherd in the springs of living waters and green pastures. Say a good amen in the house. Amen. It's a change of nature. You are a new creation. All right. If sinks... Uh, and again, by the way, as well, I understand that some people are starting to walk their faith with God right now. And as any other little kid, human being is human, but when they are little, when they are babies, they seem to be wild animals, right? In other words, they are humans, but if I leave that crawling baby around here, if that baby finds any bubble gums attached to the floor, that baby is going to put in the mouth. That little nasty stuff. 
And you say, but I, th I thought you were human. I didn't think you were a little dog. I didn't think you were a wild animal. It's because it is not. Just give time enough for that little baby mature and, and, and embrace his or hers identity that they were going to step up as humans. Are you guys with me? The same way I know that those that are starting their faith, they might stumble more than others. Because exactly for the sake of, for the fact that they are immature in faith. It's not because they were not disciplined enough. It's not because they were not tamed enough. It's because they did not grow faith enough. What we need is to grow faith in these facts. So my three principles to you right now, I'm going to throw in your lap, is to increase your faith in this truth. The truth that we are dead in Christ. We don't have pleasure into sin. We don't, we don't make sin as a lifestyle and practice of our lives. All right, number one, Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Everybody opens there. Romans 6, verse 6. You can highlight this verse. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we will no longer be enslaved to sin. Say a good amen, everybody. Again, this is not a pretending thing. We're not just like forcing to imagine that this is possible. You are meant to live an entire life free from the slavery of sin, from the bondage of sin. But how you do that, you must know. You have to know. You have to know this truth. And I know people that are ears in the church, they are Christians from the 19th century. And they, and they don't know that. They think that Christian life is meant to be this roller coaster of coming up and coming down. Coming up and coming down. Endless. No way. We have to know that our old self was crucified with Christ. In order that, put the verse, in order that the body of sin, the body that was, that craves, that inclines to sin, might be brought to nothing. Look at the verse doesn't say that the body of sin does not exist. It is there, but it is powerless. It is weak. It doesn't, it doesn't bring me anymore into slavery because it's so weak that it was brought to the level of nothing in my life. I don't even consider anymore because I know. And this knowing, this knowledge, the Bible calls revelation. Say revelation. revelation. Maturity courses, students know what revelation means. Revelation is that knowledge in your spirit that doesn't necessarily pass through your mind or the reasoning of your brain. But you know that you know. You don't know how to get to know, but you know that you know. And it's so true inside of you that nothing, no parent, no news, no friend can take away from your heart because you know. Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. You crossed the border and there's no turn back. You crossed the Red Sea and the waters came down after you crossed it. Are you guys with me? You guys getting the picture? In whom, verse 14, we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Number two, number two, Romans chapter 6, verse 11. 
So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Number two, you must consider. You must consider. Now, consideration here, I know we tend to use the word consideration as, again, pretending. We're just deceiving ourselves. We're just playing, um, how you say, playing, uh, playing, live, no, no, play pretending, yeah. You know, just like, no, this is not real, Pastor, because I feel in my veins, I even feel my eyes trembling when I'm, you know, browsing in the internet and suddenly that window pops up, a, a moral image. Uh, I crave and I see myself inclined, the power of the body of sin making this, but this is not meant to be. You're meant to have the power of the cross that makes you into Christ so powerfully real that you have the power to move your mouse, click in the little X, and close the window. You are meant to have power of the cross enough that when your spouse mistreats you out of anger, anxiety, whatever, you're not going to pay back in the same amount, the same currency. You're not going to reply in the same evil with evil. You're going to be empowered with the power of the cross because you're included in Christ. That when your kids are misbehaving and you want to kill them, I'm sorry, you're going to embrace them. You don't want to kill them. You want to hug them. You're going to love them. You must consider. Consideration, the word is logozomai, the Greek word that means esteem, impute. You determine. Your mind, your heart in that truth. Actually, when I was reading the, the explanation of this word, this is what the, the scholar put it down. He says, if I logosomai or reckon that in my bank I have only $25 in it, it is because I only have $25 in it. This word refers to facts, not to suppositions. So our consideration is just like I reckon, I consider, I meditate, and I know that it's true. Now I take it as the truth. Number one, you know. Number two, you consider. But number three, you present yourself. You present yourself. You willingly put yourself into places, into environments where now you can live this reality of overcoming sin. This habitual sin, that anger, that lies, that gossip, that comparison, that anxiety, that whatever is hurting you and people around you, you will overcome because, Romans 6.13, everybody follow up. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those, pay attention, as those who have been brought from death to life. That's me. That's exactly who I am. I was brought from death to life. And your members presented to God as instrument for righteousness. That's why I will not miss the church. 
Because when I come to the church, I can surround myself with people lifting up their hands, presenting their bodies, and I'm encouraged to do the same. Instead of presenting my members to sin and unrighteousness, now I'm here listening to the word instead of listening to gossips and bad news and conspiracies. I'm listening to the truth instead of all the lies of the news. I'm here presenting my ears, my eyes, my mouth, my body, my hands to God. And I, that's why I never miss my life group. Because in the middle of the week when I need that boost of faith, when I need that opportunity to present my body as living sacrifice, as instrument of righteousness, here I was, there was me with my brothers and sisters laying hands on one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another with words. So never dismiss the importance of presenting yourself to God's righteousness as living sacrifice. Now this is important because... Again, this is not disciplining. This is not taming you. But right now, what in the world, what kind of work are you doing right now? Absolutely no work at all. You see it. We have, you know, uh, at least we try to control, you know, the temperature inside. You are in a uh, comfortable chair and you're just right now receiving faith. Because you presented yourself. And I'm sorry whoever is watching us online, but it is different. You know it is different. If you were in your couch or in your bed right now watching us, uh, you are not necessarily presenting yourself. Your mental and physical disposition to be seated over here and singing out loud and, and, and have these brothers, even if you don't like to hug, hugging you around all the time in this church. My goodness, all huggers in this church. And they come to you. You never live the same. You never live the same because now you presented your body. As living sacrifice, as instrument of righteousness. Number one, you have to know. Number two, you have to consider this truth. And number three, you present yourself. You put yourself on the spot to be reminded of this truth. Paul really appeals in that point in verse 19 now. Romans 6, 19. He appeals in a level that only Paul could do it. i never going to do that. So let's read it. It says, I am speaking in human terms. Because of your natural limitations. I'll never say this to you. Never. But he could say. For just as you once. Now pay attention to his reasoning. As you presented your members as slaves to impurity. And to the lawlessness. Leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness. Leading to sanctification. In other words, leading to victory over sin. Now, this is the reasoning. You remember in that day when you were not born again, you're not saved, and you were preparing to party. You were setting your mind how wild, crazy, wicked, crazy person you're going to be in that night. That you're not going to only kiss one, but maybe 15 in that night. You're not only drink just one cup, but maybe an entire two bottles. When, when you set your mind, your heart, your emotions, that are going to be a crazy party. I don't, I don't care the hangover next, next day, but I'll just want to just go wild tonight. And you prepare yourself. Some people even fed themselves better during the week just to break everything on the weekends. And you, and you prepare yourself. You set yourself to present your body as instrument of lawlessness. And you set your mind, you set your body, you set your family. You're actually announcing the family. Hey, don't come with me Friday night. I'm not going to be here. 
because I will be in such and such place. So Paul appeals to that level and says, do the same. Tell your family, don't count with me Sunday morning, Friday night, worship night is coming, Wednesday night is my life group. Don't count with me. I'm setting my mind to present my body as living sacrifice and instrument of righteousness. Hey, look, I know maybe, maybe it's not the season, but I, I'm preparing myself for this 21 days fasting prayer. And this time I'm going to fast. I actually, it's better my whole family know this because instead of actually preparing physically for debauchery and lawlessness, I prepare myself to present my body as instrument of righteousness. So Paul appeals to that level because when we do that, we, have, we increase faith into these truths. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, I'm closing. Or do not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. Come on, just tell this to your neighbor. Don't you know you are not your own? Tell him, tell her. I know, I know. I know you don't want to say this in the, in the country of freedom, right? That you belong to someone, but you belong to someone. He bought you by blood. With his precious blood, he bought you from the slave market. And now you are free because you are bought it with price. Verse 20, for you were bought with price. So glorify God in your body. Would you please stand up and glorify with me right now? With your body, with all that you have, with all your might, mind, strength, energy. I want to invite you to worship God. Now, someone is going to say, Pastor... Tell me again what, what I have to know. Tell me again, Pastor, what are the, the three laws? No, 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 don't take it as a law. You have just to know, consider, and present. And when you do that, you're going to see your faith growing in these truths. And it's important to not take it as law again. Because the newness of life is in the grace, not in the law. Let me close with this last verse, Romans 6, 14. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. How many of us are under grace this morning? Come on, somebody.